This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey guys, quick thing. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only question left to say is... Are you in? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can get reward points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus, rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hello and welcome to the Guna Talk. Back again with you guys for another show, for another episode of our Raw Reaction series and specifically the Arsenal News Show. I hope you're doing good. Hope you're doing well this Sunday. Arsenal moved without even playing seemingly another step closer to Champions League football next season after yesterday's results. We're going to talk about that and much more after a very interesting Saturday of footballing news both on and off the pitch dominated our social feeds. If you haven't done so already, please do drop a like on the video and subscribe to the channel if you haven't done so already. Let's jump into the chat box. Good morning to Matt G. Uh, I'm glad it's not just Arsenal fans complaining about VAR. It's ridiculous and we're going to talk about that. Paul, good morning to you. John T, Tony, Stevie, Ali, Modern Guna, Martin, Jose, Temi. Good morning to all of you guys. Bradley, Ife, uh, Olu, good morning to you. Um... Uh, Bobby, good morning to you too. Paul, Jack, Thracian King, Tulip, uh, Silkies, uh, good morning to you. Uh, Ed, good to see you in the chat box as well, mate. It must be a ridiculous time where you are in the world right now, Ed. Absolutely unbelievable commitment to the Sunday show. Of course, there's always that little bit more respect for those of you that are able to make the Sunday show because the sun, getting up at 8 o'clock on a Sunday to watch a show, that takes commitment. So fair play to you guys. Meanwhile, I'm starting a 9am, 9am, 9am shift today, so <laughs> swings and roundabout and all that. But good morning to all of you, hope, you did, hope, hope you're good and hope you're doing well. Please do, if you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Arsenal way. And uh, as I said, I set that target of hitting 10k before the end of the season, but we're on our way very healthily uh, already. Only a few days ago was we hitting 9,000, we're already a quarter of the way from 9,000 to 10,000. So really solid stuff. Uh, over over there and fantastic content being created. Um, bad news regarding Charlie Patino, unfortunately. Uh, the youngster has picked up an injury. We did report this yesterday, but it has been officially now confirmed um, that he's expected to be back sooner rather than later, but he has been suffering with an injury, which has, of course, meant he's missed plenty of football for the under-23s, and that's coincided with a little bit of a bad run for the under-23s as well, which kind of really shows you his importance to the under-23 side. But he's hoping to be back, as we say, sooner rather than later. Um, Moving on to our next story. And uh, this is a really interesting one. 
Uh, Alman Lafont, who is the uh, Nantes keeper, formerly of Fiorentina, formerly of Toulouse, uh, was once rated as one of the highest, le- highest, le- <laughs> highest regarded young French goalkeepers on the planet. Uh, he went to Fiorentina with a lot of expectation. It didn't necessarily work out all that well, and he eventually went on loan to Nantes, where he was then eventually bought, and he's got himself back on track in Liga, and is again considered to be one of the league's best keepers. He has been linked with a move to Arsenal, as has uh, a number of other clubs in the Premier League and across Europe. I would find this very odd, considering the fact that Arsenal have already signed a replacement for Bert Leno, who, by the way, is still here. Like He's not gone anywhere yet. We expect that Bert Leno will most likely leave in the summer. But it's weird that Arsenal are linked with uh, a goalkeeper, uh, considering that they've got Aaron Ramsdale and Matt Turner is already wrapped up. So despite this link, I am pretty confident to say that I don't think this is a move that will happen. But... It's linked, and so therefore we will report it and give our honest views in this case that it's probably not going to happen. Continuing with the players linked with Arsenal, again, further reports suggesting that Isaac's representatives had had have had conversations with Arsenal's uh, executives about a possible summer move. Barcelona continue to be interested in Isaac and see the player as a replacement option for Erling Haaland should they not be able to get him. Um, but Arsenal are still said to be very much interested in the Swedish striker and could look to bring him into the team in the summer. But Arsenal will be fighting uh, to try and get that deal done if and only if they see him as the main striking option. With players like Latara Martinez, Joao Felix, Jonathan David, Dominic Calvert-Lewin, Patrick Schick, all also linked, uh, interested by Arsenal, it would be... It would be not strange, but it would be uh, intriguing uh, to be uh, seeing Isaac as the number one of that list because I think there are a number of players in that list that are significantly better and that would offer us a lot more than Isaac does right now. Um, moving on to uh, a glo- more global story, of course, but one that does and could impact Arsenal in the near future is that Roman Abramovich, who, for those of you that don't know, is uh, Chelsea's owner, has stepped away from the club as of yesterday. Um, he has handed over uh, custodianship of the club to Chelsea's Board of Charitable Foundation trustees, um, which is an interesting move. And to be honest... I say it's interesting, but it's it's not really surprising that this has happened. Um, reading uh, Sam Wallace's piece but on The Telegraph this morning, interesting to see him talk about kind of what this means. He says, on the face of it, it changes nothing. His protege, Marina Granaskaya, uh, her boss's representatives at Stamford Bridge, and the only voice that matters until Abramovich is in town still runs the show. Abramovich himself can still fund the club through his investment vehicle in the British Virgin Islands, those £1.5 billion worth of loans extended from the holding company Fordstam that have fueled the success of the club and cast a long shadow over the future of Chelsea have not yet been mentioned. Um, the interesting part is where he writes, the other side of the coin is that were an offer to be made for the club, this unlikely collection of trustees encompassing among them Chelsea's women's manager Emma Hayes and former minister Hugh Robertson could sanction a sale uh, which is really interesting, the fact that they could actually sell the club that he owns now he's handed custodianship, although I would find it quite shocking if that was to happen. How much will this in fact impact Chelsea and impact Arsenal? My prediction is that it's not going to impact their competitiveness or their spending power significantly at the moment. Uh, I don't think this will change um, 
too much about the way the way the way they kind of go about the business. It's a he's basically handed off the club and yet maintained a significant level of influence. I think is probably the fairest way to put it, whilst not officially being the current owner of the club. Uh, we'll see how this one changes and moves and develops in the coming months. But the immediate reaction is that this isn't going to change too much for Chelsea. So we'll see what happens in the near future. Uh, finishing off the round of news regarding Arsenal, Manchester United dropped points yesterday against Watford in what was a comical and very enjoyable display uh, from the likes of Man United missing shots, striking balls at Ronaldo himself, blocking their own strikes on goal. And this has definitely given Arsenal a huge boost in their hopes to try and get to the top four. Because if you consider Manchester United's fixture list that is coming up, they play the likes of Manchester City and Liverpool and Atletico Madrid. I think they play Spurs as well. They've then got games uh, against Chelsea coming up. They then play Norwich before playing us. It is a very difficult run. And this Watford game was the chance for them to guarantee themselves three points going into that really tough run of fixtures and they failed to do that. Great news. Spurs, they beat Leeds, which is no mean feat. As we know, we went and put five past them at Ellen Road. Spurs could only manage four yesterday. Um, but uh, it's not a, a big win. In fact, it's quite damning on Man United that they conceded too. Uh, we will then go to Ellen Road, I think, at some point during later on in the season towards the end of the campaign. Fingers crossed they're not improved by that point by Jesse Marsh. It seems to be the uh, man that's going to take over from Bielsa. Now, our final story is on this horrific refereeing decision uh, against Everton by Manchester City's Rodri. When we've complained about refereeing officiating in the Premier League and specifically how it impacts Arsenal, of course, we are like to turn around and say that there's an agenda. They are treating Arsenal differently. I, uh, I, I really just find it utterly baffling how there is no accountability for the decisions that are made by officials in the Premier League these days. Like, as I say, we all want to say it's an agenda against Arsenal, but if we're being 100% real about this and not using hyperbole, they're just bad. They are bad at their job. They are bad at being consistent. They're bad officials. They're the, one of the worst officiating groups in the world, and they are not held to account of a bad decision-making. I'm going to go as far as saying, well, I think I have done in the past of saying regarding corruption, but all allegedly, of course. But it's it's staggering that these types of decisions, as Frank Lampard said, that his three-year-old daughter could get right, aren't being made correct by the officials. Arsenal had this at the week uh, on Thursday. Gabriel Martinelli absolutely clearly taken out by, uh, I think it was Nelson Semedo, uh, against Wolves and nothing given. Not even a VAR check. Probably because of the timing of the incident, to be honest. And they just went, oh, we're not going to give a penalty away in the first 30 seconds of the game when actually it was 100% worthy of a penalty. This incident is horrifically bad. It's a clear and obvious error if the referee doesn't see it. The referee's claimed to have not seen it and so he needs to rely on VAR to make the decision. His hand's in an absolutely weird position to try and control the ball with his arm and it's not given. Everton could get relegated uh, from the Premier League and if they're relegated by more than a single point or if they're relegated by more or less than two points, 
just by the single point then <laughs> in the simplest way to describe it um they could look back on this as being a significant piece of the reason as to why they went down and to say they wouldn't have rights to you know take legal action against the officials for making this decision because the money it would cost them wow that would be that would be mad but you know you would be hard pressed to see that they wouldn't have a case against the officials relegating them after this to cost them a point in a real tight race for them for survival this season which is proving increasingly more difficult for them so I am staggered that it wasn't am I staggered I'm not staggered I'm not surprised that this wasn't given because we know how bad the officiating is in the Premier League so there you go that's the final story I wanted to bring it up because it just kind of shows you even though we are sometimes encased in this bubble of bias uh, with Arsenal that this is still very much happening over the rest of the league and uh, giving favouritism towards certain clubs, as we saw when we played Manchester City earlier on in the campaign. Anyway, we're going to go to the chat box and your questions now. If you do indeed have any questions you'd like to ask, throw them into the chat box and we'll go through as many of them as we can. <laughs> I love this from Paul. Uh, VAR equals visually anonymous refereeing. <laughs> anomalous, sorry, refereeing. Something only the VAR referee can or cannot see. Absolutely ridiculous. Leeds are coming to the Emirates, Ola. They are indeed. Of course, we went and battered them at Ellen Road. So, fingers crossed that we can get a decent result against them later on in the pre... in the Not in the pre-season. Nearer to pre-season, but in the season. Uh, Christopher says the PGML need a bigger rebuild than Arsenal do. Uh, if he says it was handball, but I thought Everton was offside because of the incident. Um, apparently that was checked and it wasn't offside. Frank Lampard had that uh, in this post-match interview checked whether it was offside and it wasn't. So still uh, no penalty given. Um, Stowe, uh, FL, which may be Stowflow, uh, means would you buy a camera from RB Salzburg? I think he could be a great signing for our midfield. Yes, I absolutely would. He's been someone I've actually talked about on the channel before. Uh, I tipped off Bailey about doing a piece on him, and we've got one uh, running, I think, on Football.London as a possible replacement for El Nenny. So, yeah, I would absolutely go and sign camera as a replacement for El Nenny in the summer. Fantastically, brilliantly full of potential. And someone that would add a lot of kind of dynamism and uh, agility, I think, to the midfield and a lot of energy to the midfield, which maybe is something that we've lacked a little bit with the players that we've currently got in the team. Fun Trick says, who do you think is favourite for top four after United dropping points? Us. I mean, I always bring up the uh, the 538 Premier League predictions. I haven't actually checked it. Um, Arsenal now have a 61% chance apparently, of achieving top four. Tottenham have a 19% chance with Man United now down to 17%. Wolves with 3%, West Ham with 3%. They, by the way, play each other today. So that's going to be an interesting game to see the, the result of that. I think whoever loses that fixture or if they draw, it rules both of them out completely of any kind of chance of getting top four. This season, um, Talib says, did you see the handball goal in Marseille against Karabag? I haven't seen that, actually. Um, but I think I heard something about Genduzi. I didn't want to report it because I didn't have 100% assurance that it was true. Um, Genduzi, Karabag. Um, get French Football News on Twitter, which I know people have there. Um, but RMC apparently reported that Genduzi uh, 
Karabag striker Ibrahima Waji uh, on Matteo Ganduzi's and what he said to him after he scored with his hands tonight, a goal that was eventually chalked off. Ganduzi said to me, you are Muslim. If you don't tell the truth to the referee, God will punish you. Um, that was sent to me by someone. Uh, in fact, just so you can see, I'm not just saying this because it's quite an important thing to have the evidence on the screen. Let me show that to you. So there you go. Uh, Get French Football News uh, reporting uh, this story. Make of that what you will. Um, but I haven't actually seen the incident. So very, very uh, interesting that I haven't seen that. I need to see it. So if anyone's got a video of it, DM me the video. So there you go. Christopher says, Tom, now we're playing 4-3-3 if Xhaka and El Elneny. Do you think we need three central midfielders? No, Chris, I think we need two. Because remember that Charlie Patino, Miguel Aziz are coming through, Tim Akinola as well. Um, we've got a lot of good youngsters. Uh, so I think maximum of two central midfielders. In fact, absolutely two central midfielders. An upgrade on Granite Xhaka. Uh, and also, uh, we've also got, what's the other one? Um El Nenny, well, I'm forgetting El Yeah, Granite Jacka, we need the upgrade for El Nenny, who's going. Camera, I think, from Salzburg, as they talked about in the chat box. Uh, definitely worth it. Um, Jack says, What's the point, Tom? Ganduzi is just trying to get in his head. Jack, I mean, if that's your view on it, I'm not really sure. <laughs> that's the right way to look at that type of comment. Uh, Jonathan said, Were we supposed to play Liverpool today? Uh, yes, we was. So we were supposed to have a game this weekend, but the Carabao Cup's on. So we don't, uh, which it's fine, to be honest. I mean, we've got a situation now. We've got nine days off ahead of the, the Watford game. We can pick up more points, get ourselves into a better position and build up the momentum and keep going. Uh, Deep Eleven says, It would be a failure if we don't get the top four, uh, considering the performances of Tottenham and Man United. I disagree. I think it'd be a disappointment. Uh, I think that top four at the start of the season was absolutely a pipe dream and a huge ambition of the club. But I wouldn't call it a failure. And I don't think that the change in parameters during the season can then mean it's a failure. I think you can call it a bigger disappointment if we don't make it. But considering the season's objective was to get back into Europe at the start of the campaign by the club and by the majority, I would say, of the fan base, the fact that if we don't get to top four now after the performances of Spurs and Man United is, you know, it would be a bigger disappointment. What I would say, Deep Eleven, is you've also got to factor in our own performances and our improvement. Beating Wolves in two games in the league is the first time in nine seasons that we've done that. You know, getting a victory over Tottenham Hotspur at our own ground, going to places like Leeds and Norwich and picking up wins, which are places we've gone to in the past and not done that. We were improving. And we're getting better and we're picking up points in games that previously we weren't doing, beating West Ham United, beating Aston Villa. We didn't do these things last season and we're doing them this season. So, yes, Man United and Spurs are dropping points and that's opening up the opportunity, but we are also getting better. So it wouldn't be a failure to not get top four because that wasn't the, uh, that wasn't the target at the beginning of the season for me and for a lot of people and I'm sure the club too, even though they want to be back in the top four. It would be a bigger disappointment, is how I would describe it, based upon how Tottenham and Man United are performing. Um, Matt G says, uh, Tom, of all the strikers we are linked with, who do you think will improve our other attacking players the most? Improve the attacking players that we have? That's an interesting question, because I wouldn't pick someone like Jonathan David or Joao Felix, because... I don't consider their link-up play to be able to be uh, as good as it needs to be with, say, Saka and Smith-Rowe and Martinelli and Erdegaard. I would look to more of a, a hold-up striker, a DCL or an Isaac players that have got really good link-up play. Um, 
as being better for those players around them. But then you look in midfield, who would be a better midfielder to kind of emphasise the better abilities of our attackers? Ruben Neves, Tielemans, Fabian Ruiz. Fabian Ruiz is the ultimate for me. He's... His metrics compared to Ruiz, uh, sorry, compared to Ruben Neves and Tielemans is mad. I was looking into them the other day when writing a piece up about kind of slow midfielders and how they improve things. You look at his statistics compared to Ruben Neves and Tielemans, and Ruiz blows them out of the water. The progression of his passing, the dribbling of the ball, his technical ability is just on another level. Would love to see Ruiz at the club. Absolutely. Um, Byron says, we was expecting top six at the start of the season. Top four will be a blessing. Uh, Stowe also recommending Christensen from Salzburg. Yeah, Danish right back, 23, 24 years of age now. Could be a decent backup. However, what I would say is I think maybe we could go for a different person because I think Christensen will aiming to be a starter somewhere and maybe won't be open to that backup role. But a move to Arsenal could tempt him into leaving. Uh, Tulip says, Tillemans, Ruiz and Douglas Luiz, uh, all on last year of contracts, two of the three, affordable and would drastically improve us. Yeah, I'd go for Ruiz and Tillemans, £50 million combined fee. That's what the reported figures are. £34 million for Tillemans, £16 million for Ruiz. I think that would be a brilliant bit of business by Arsenal. Um, Alistair says, considering Arteta admits he made mistakes with Saliba, do you see Saliba signing? Um, So Arteta admitted that he made mistakes. Uh, I then wrote a piece about this and talked about how I believe that that Saliba incident would be absolutely at the top of the list of those mistakes that he has made um, and how he handled and they handled the Saliba situation. I think that with William Saliba, he will return to Arsenal and will have an intent to try and play for Arsenal again. It's just whether or not Arteta now sees Saliba as possibly being that player uh, that would improve the situation. Um, but it was interesting hearing Mikel Arteta's comments saying that he's made mistakes in the past. I think that Saliba is absolutely one of those big mistakes. That's why I wrote about it. Um, and we should definitely be looking to integrate Saliba into the team next season. Um, Jack says, Tom, would you bring in Pepe from the start next game? I'd maybe consider bringing in Pepe for Martin Lee with Smith-Rowe struggling with illness. Smith-Rowe's got a long time to recover from a small illness, is what I'm told it is. It's not a big, it's not a, a big problem right now. Um, so that's positive. So Smith-Rowe hopefully should be back by that game. Uh, if he is, I'd play Smith-Rowe. I'd be tempted to start Pepe over Saka and give Saka a bit of a rest. I didn't think Saka had the best of games. And I think that against Watford, it's a really good opportunity for Pepe to come in and show what he's got. Uh, I'm not sure who's playing left-back for uh, Watford at the moment. They did have Danny Rose, but I don't think he's playing at the moment, is he? Uh, let's have a look. Camera uh, is currently playing left-back. Uh, let's have a look who this guy is. Hassan Camera. So there you go. Uh, 27 years of age. Don't know much about the guy, but, you know, Pepe should be able to be getting the win over Camera in the game. So why not throw in Pepe for the Watford match? Give him a chance. He earned it after that uh, substitute appearance against... Wolves, did he not? Uh, John says, before the season, I thought top four was possible, but I'm an American and we're wildly optimistic. The Brits seem more pessimistic and realistic. I'm leaning to temper my optimism. John, I know a lot of pessimistic American friends of mine too. I also know a lot of optimistic British friends of mine. Um, but uh, And I count myself as one of those optimistic people. I was hopeful that we could achieve top four as always, but I was realistic to the fact that top six was always going to be trying to get back into Europe again was the bet was the uh the minimum expectation for the season if we don't get top four for me it's a big disappointment because of the opportunity that's opened up but i wouldn't call it a failure 
Uh, Jing Lin says, uh, oddly, in my opinion, Harry Kane is the perfect striker in Arteta's system. <laughs> yeah. You're not, to be honest. I, I don't think you're that wild in suggesting that, to be honest, Jing, at all. I think there's a great... I think it's a great point because we need the characteristics of Kane and a striker at Arsenal, someone who's link-up play, someone who's clinical, someone who's good in the air as well. We need all of those things. So it is a shame to see him at Spurs. Jonathan says, a bit out of topic, but imagine the scenes if Balogun kills any hope for those lot of winning a trophy on Tuesday. Oh, bliss, Jonathan. Absolute bliss. Would I swap for Xhaka for Fred or McTominay? No. Weirdly, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't. And maybe that's a big stain on how... People appreciate Fred and McTominay, but no, I wouldn't swap Xhaka for either of those two. Uh, Viraj says, Arteta approval rating top four. I always secretly believed in Arteta. Top six, give him a short contract. Seventh, stay and beyond Arteta out. I think with Viraj, what the situation is with Arteta and Arsenal is it does depend on where he finishes. If he finishes in the top four, he should absolutely get a new contract. And you will see a lot of people turning around and saying that they always believed in Arteta. If he gets top six, I think that, you know, he's progressed us to that. We progressed forwards this season. We're on the right track, but we probably could have done better this season considering the circumstances. Whether or not that deserves a new contract, I think there's a conversation to be had. If he finishes outside the top six, he should probably go. Uh, <laughs> I don't think there's much of an argument to suggest that he should stay after three back-to-back worse than sixth-place finishes. It would be strange to see a manager stay after that. I don't think he would, by the way. I think the club would still keep him on. But in regards to of what should or shouldn't happen, uh, I think that he probably should go. Um, to be honest, I can't sit here and say that I've always been in Camp Arteta because after the Villarreal game, I certainly wasn't. And after the Manchester City game, I certainly wasn't. This season has brought me back round. And I'm very happy to be uh, a person with a fluid opinion. It's nice to be able to change your opinion. It's great. Some people don't let you do that. They're a bit weird. But uh, it's great to be in a position where you allow evidence presented to you to change your point of view, as you should do. Don't let other people tell you otherwise. Um, Tom, surely Cedric continues to play considering his performances. Um, I would be tempted to bring Tommy Asu back in if he's fully fit. We're, we're very quick to, you know, jump on these performances. But let's be real. Tommy Asu is better. Tommy Asu, I also think, improves Saka. So he's not worth dropping. Um, Cedric, but when you've got a player like Tommy Asu you can bring in, I would bring him in. Um, yeah, Danny Rose left Watford, didn't he? I'm pretty sure they released him because he was that bad. Uh, Viraj says, I would love to see Fabian Ruiz, Danilo, and Schick next season. Uh, Young How, no, Smith Rowe didn't test positive. Uh, that was confirmed on match day. Uh, that he, he was just ill, that, unless that's changed. Of course, you can test positive later on, but. As far as I was aware, he didn't test positive. Uh, he was just ill at this point. Um, Carl, Tom, you are a big man. I mean, you must have been watching our six-a-side games to know that. <laughs> Love the fact that you could change your view after hanging Pepe out to dry and touting him all around Europe. It's great that you are supporting him. For Look, as always, Carl, I only ever want a player to prove me wrong if it's for the benefit of Arsenal. And I've been very critical of Pepe. And when he scored, I held my hands up and said, thank you very, very much. And, you know, if he goes on to stay at the club because he's put in the performances at the end of this season to prove that he deserves to stay here, I'm going to be thrilled because it means the best for Arsenal. But if a player is not performing to the level that's required, I will be critical. And I will say, I think Arsenal should look to get better. The same with the manager situation. If I don't feel that Arteta is doing enough, like I didn't at the end of last season, I will say that I think Arsenal need to change things. But if that 
evidence changes. And if the performance changes and improves and get better, so should the opinion. If you're going to stubbornly sit behind a viewpoint because your pride's too big to change your view, it's not a great position to be in. You need to have an open mind to changing your viewpoint on things. And it's important to do that. If you don't, you end up looking silly a lot. Um, and you don't want to do that. <laughs> you don't want to do that. Tulip says, uh, who is going under the radar for how influential they've been? Erdegaard, Ben White. Uh, not Erdegaard because Erdegaard's great. And uh, I think he is being appreciated by the majority of the fans. He's been fantastic. In my opinion, he's been our best player this season. I, if there was a... If there was a poll for player of the season, I would give it to Martin Odegaard at this point in time. Ben White is the most underrated player in this team by a long, long distance. Ben White has been brilliant. He's been improving every single week. Yes, he's not perfect. Yes, he's made mistakes. He's a young player. He's going to do that. But the way in which he's improved that right centre-back position from Holding and Mustafi before him, the levels we've gone up in that role have been so huge since Ben White has come into the fold. So I think Ben White is the most underrated player in the team. I think that Erdegaard is the most important player in the team. Carl says, do you think Man United are out of the top four race? Uh, no, they're not. Absolutely not. They could be by April, um, depending on the results that happen this next couple of months. But uh, I don't think they're out of it at the moment. Like we, can, we know that they can get results against Chelsea and against Spurs and against Man, uh, and against Man City. They've done it in the past. They've surprised people. Even when they've done rubbish against teams like Watford, they still pull out something from the bag. And you can't ever rule them out. Uh, Noel says, we saw Arteta change to a back three against Wolves when he subbed off Cedric. Do you think that is something that we could try in some games next season with Saliba? at the back if the game goes to 1-0. Yes, I do. I think that it's important just about having the fluidity of opinion. We need to have a fluidity of system. You need to be able to have different options to go to to try and combat different team strategies. Because if you think about it, if you set up in the same formation, the 4-3-3 or the 4-2-3-1, every single week, other teams have more time to try and combat that, work out strategies to be able to nullify your effectiveness and nullify the impact of that formation. So you need to have contingency plans in place to change things. And Arteta did that against Wolves. And the system change ended up allowing us to get that goal. Uh, we went to two up top with Eddie and Lacazette. Pepe came on, started on the left, moved to the right. Saka came to the left eventually. Uh, we went to a three at the back and it worked. And I was very happy to see it. It was interesting because when, um, when Tavares came on, I thought that Xhaka was going to go to left centre-back. We were going to push Tavares even further up and Tierney further up as well. But we didn't. Xhaka continued in the midfield and his his presence was great. Like even though, sorry, Tierney came off, didn't he, for Tavares? Tierney comes off, Tavares comes on. In my opinion, I thought Xhaka would have gone into left centre-back and Tavares would have pushed up that left wing-back slot. But it didn't happen. Xhaka continued to play forwards and Tavares still stayed quite firmly back besides one key run he made on the left-hand side and then lost the ball. But that was uh, that ended up being a really crucial part of why we won the game because Xhaka's passing and technical skill during the game was so good that having him in that final third was really important. So that was another really interesting thing to see at the end. Uh, Steve says, it's Pepe's job to prove the manager wrong. Thursday's performance was a step in the right direction. Absolutely, mate. Absolutely spot on. Uh, John says, is there anything better than a Ramsdale cam? No, we definitely should have Ramsdale cam. Once Ben Foster retires... I think he needs to pass the reins of uh, the Foster channel over to Aaron Ramsdale, or at a minimum, 
you know, help Ramsdale get his own channel off the ground. That'd be great. I'd love to see Ramsdale have his own YouTube channel. It'd be fantastic. I know a lot of people wouldn't, but I'd love to see that. Um, Deep Eleven says, don't you think that Ben White has decreased making those runs into midfield? Otherwise, he has been a boss. I think maybe he's decreased the frequency, but he hasn't stopped doing them. He's still been doing them and releasing pressure. What you need to do when you watch Ben White play is really watch the reluctance to pass to the right back. You'll only see it happen a few times during the whole game. His rhetoric, his priority is to either pass it to Gabriel safely or play it into midfield. He will not want to pass the ball to the right back. Tommy Asher did a really good explainer interview on this a couple of uh, a couple of months ago. But when you watch Ben White next against Watford, really watch how he plays and watch his reluctance to pass to the right back because it's a really important part of how we play. It doesn't happen on the left-hand side because it's slightly different. The left-back plays a different role in this Arsenal team to the right-back, even when Cedric's in the team. But especially when Tommy Ash is in the team, watch the difference between the passing of the centre-backs to the right-back and the left-back. You will see how the passes, the frequency of those passes to the different positions on the pitch change. And it's great to have that balance and understanding of how two sides of the pitch can be used so differently and yet be still be so effective. Um, Jonathan says, speaking of Foster, I think he has pretty decent distributions for a traditional goalkeeper. Absolutely. John says, I love those Ben White runs, opens up the pitch and almost always, uh, and most times good things happen. Yeah. Uh, ACB West says, I'm really intrigued with who we look at replacing Xhaka with. Seems, uh, seems so key to our success in the midfield. Fabian over Tielemans, in my opinion. I agree with you. Uh, Edra Sass says, we need to follow our form from Wolves. We do. And Isowa says, was Emery the coach who intended on buying Tini, or was it from a technical director recommendation? Isowa, I don't really know. I would lean towards the director recommendation because Arsenal have been interested in Kieran Tini for a long time and were interested before Emery was here. And Emery's influence on transfers was nowhere near as big as Arteta has. So I don't think that Emery was wildly uh, responsible for Tierney's arrival. So there you go. Um, anyway, we're going to wrap things up there, guys. Thank you so much for tuning in, as always. There, I think we are going to be doing another show this evening. We're going to be doing another episode of our Let's Talk Arsenal fans series because we're not playing this weekend. Uh, I'm going to be joined by Danny from a Burkhart Wonderland to talk through his uh, Arsenal podcasting journey. It's going to be a lot of fun. If you know Danny from a Burkhart Wonderland, you know how much of a character he is and he's a good lot of fun to talk to. So uh, I look forward to having a catch up with him uh, in a fun show later. We do these as pre-recorded shows uh, and then we upload them out uh, because I need to make the thumbnail based off them. So we record them and then it'll be uploaded a little bit later in the afternoon as a premiere. So there'll still be a chat box. It just won't be live, um, but there will be a premiere of it. So do watch out for that. Uh, but it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you guys as it always is. Uh, I will see you again very, very soon. And as always, up the Arsenal. It's the 90 plus minute. All your mates around and you've got a McNuggets share box ready to go and you know a late winner's coming. Your mates already got booked for a double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfection. Order now on the McDonald's app for your McDelivery. You in? At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... 
HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.